Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. I just want to go to the rooftops and scream. I love my best friend. You're listening to the best of the fantasy best friends forever on FNTSY Radio. Yo! This is the fantasy best friends forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on? Not much, Greggy. It's noon. Still the same BFF. It is. New times, same new, guys. New times, same guys. If you're listening on demand, nothing's changed. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're, we're still here. That's right. But we're at a new time every day if you're watching live on YouTube two hours earlier, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. So we now lead into Frenzy instead of coming after Frenzy. Yeah, the only sad part is yes. we'll have to end about five or six minutes earlier. Yeah, we'll have to end about five, yeah. you know, six minutes earlier. So but no big deal. You know, you can still catch the, the entire show live on demand. That's cool. For sure. Yes. What's going on, Grady? How's your weekend? Uh, weekend was uh okay, weird. Uh, weird. I had an, my auction draft yesterday, and I, I it did not go to plan. Ooh. We're gonna talk about it throughout the show today. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, Mike Leone will be on the program today. Uh, coming up in about twenty minutes or so from now, because we have a brand new DFS optimizer over at DailyRotor.com, and it's not a brand new optimizer. It's just kind of redone. There's new things added to it, it's and. Been- Optimized. There you go. Jerry Digmeyer gives it a fantastic how-to video, which is available now on our YouTube page, of exactly what you should be doing, and Leon is going to walk you through the walkthrough. And he's, to, and he's going to talk to me about my auction team, obviously. That helps, too, because I'm very interested in using the optimizer as well. So oh, yeah. Obviously. I want to get all the information as I possibly could uh, to have a, a fruitful DFS season, Greggy. Yeah. All right. Um... So how was your weekend, Frank? I apologize for being rude. You had a wedding over the weekend. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, went to Andy Singleton at People's Pen on Twitter, our guy from Fantrax. I went to his wedding uh, this Saturday. It was in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Uh, it was great. It was a really good time. Um, yeah, lots of dancing, lots of drinks, uh, food, ton of people. There's over 300 people. It's by far the biggest wedding I've ever been to in my life. But uh, that was a great time. So shout out to Andy Singleton. Uh, congrats to him. We'll have to have him on the show soon enough Yeah, as well. Uh, and then I feel like we should just knock this out off the top for like five okay. wrestling listener watchers right. uh, that are here. Probably more. SummerSlam was not good. No. 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 Was not good. I made meatballs during it, I'm, though. That I'm not was, surprised. That, that was actually delicious. NXT was much better. NXT was awesome, man. I didn't watch the main event yet. Oh, sick. I mean, to me, the, the Cole match is still my favorite. Like, that was my favorite match of the show for sure. Because it was really, really fun. SummerSlam was weird. It was just, it's very long. I'm really happy I didn't go because it's really, really long. Um, but it's fun. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That was my whole weekend. Yep. Um, okay. So, here we go. My auction draft. This, today's show is going to be an auction primer, right? Like, we talk every day about snake drafts, and, and the rest of the week we'll do the wide receiver ranking strategy. Everything we did with running backs last week, we'll do it with wide receivers the rest of the week. And then we have our big draft uh, on Saturday, so we'll get into that on, on Friday. But today... It was supposed to be my auction draft. But because people kind of changed their schedules around, we were able to do it on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And it's a weekend. You don't have to be up late. It made a lot more sense to do it at that time. And I don't know if I wasn't ready. I feel like I was ready. But this, everything changed, dude. Everything changed. I'm so used to, and I've said this so many times, I've written it in, in a book, that 
you want to be aggressive early because the prices will the prices people aren't so excited to spend money early. So you want to get in on that first wide receiver in the tier, get in on that first running back in the tier because everybody else is going to be higher. But that didn't happen in my draft on Sunday. Usually, a lot of people wind up saving their money, and, and there's no unbelievable deals. Everybody knows I love the wide receiver threes this year, the Robert Woods tier, the Emmanuel Sanders tier. I've talked about that incessantly. We'll do it again later this week. All those guys went for nothing because nobody had the money left. So one guy had money, and he swept all of them up. Usually, I'm one of those guys that have a balanced team. I'm not a stars and scrub guy, but I usually have a balanced team. It became very clear yesterday, very, very early, um, that that was not going to be the case yesterday. And I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to get into it right now. So, the first player nominated yesterday was Melvin Gordon. So, what we say? Number the 10th ranked running back, whatever he is, right? Sure, like, yeah, I'm, he's, he's in that nine, range. Nine, eight, whatever. It doesn't matter. Eight or nine. So, and I was really happy he was the first person nominated because then it was just like, oh, he's, he's my eighth. Okay. So, that was going to be a good idea. Like, my thought was he'd be a really good price. Because there were still seven other guys or six other guys that were available. Now, how much are you willing to pay for Melvin Gordon? Okay, interesting. How much do you think Melvin Gordon went for? $200 auction budget. Plugging away at the tools inside the Daily Roto package uh, for NFL here this year. Um, so I watched Drew's video uh, over the it was last week, whenever I got it, about the, about the optimizer. And, and to me, what well, the best part of the video was... It was like 10 minutes long. And like, I'm not someone's going to sit in for an hour and, and watch a video on YouTube. It just, you know. But like, for, for 10 minutes, you can sit and learn how to win some money. What is the best part, Mike, about the optimizer this year that has changed from last year? I think, well, everything is better. I feel like uh, the, the lineups get made a lot faster than they did last year. You've got a lot more control over what you're doing last year you know was limited amount of players that you could plug into the pool this year you can plug in all the players but one of the things that i find really cool is the ability to generate groups so if i don't want to trust the op like if i don't want to just click a generic stack setting that says oh stack a qb with a wide receiver i can go and make a group and saying okay if a lineup gets made with drew Brees, make sure you use one of Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. And you can do all these cool groups, which if you envision the way a game's gonna go, you can have you know a receiver coming back the other way. So they're playing Tampa week one. So maybe you want to uh, say, if I use Drew Brees, also give me Mike Evans coming back the other way for Tampa Bay. So I think that's a really cool feature to help you generate a lot of lineups that make a lot of sense if you're envision envisioning certain types of game flows. Leone, what's going on, man? Long time no talk. Uh, before I jump in on this optimizer, I want to ask, are you a fan of the Baja men? The, I, I don't know who the Baja men are. Oh, they sing the song, Who Let the Dogs that, Out? Who? You who? Know what? Who? I, who? I did, I did think of that. Can you hear the dog? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you, no, bring, we want to see it in the shot now. Yeah, bring the dogs bring the on dog the show. In. It's my neighbor's dog. Sometimes they just let them out. Oh, for like oh that's a little different. That's, we would want that. <laughs> yeah. No, never, so never. I can't, I can't bring him into the show. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Leone, I wanted to I wanted to ask you because there's a lot of things going on with this optimizer here. Again, you know, go out, uh, go check out the video that Drew made. Um, I noticed that you know when looking through the players, the positions, you could sort by DK salary, by value, by points. Is there any one of those things that you specifically do when using the optimizer first? Do you just click on value first and then see like, all right, 
based on the Daily Roto projections and the optimizer that this guy is the top value uh, according to, you know, what's going on here. Is that something that you do? Do you normally sort by, like, points, value, DK salary first? Is that, like, what do you do first when you go into the optimizer and you're starting to make your lineups? What's the first thing that you do? I'm sorting on value right away. That's what I do. And what the value column is, is we basically have determined a threshold based on salary for how many points a player should score. So if they're, you know, $6,000 on FanDuel, uh, it, it's a, a multiplier and then a fixed amount that we use to determine how many they should score, which really isn't important. The whole the whole idea is it takes their projection uh, and subtracts that value threshold. So you can see, okay, a value of six means they're going to score six more points than we would normally expect a player at this salary. And I think that's a really good way to very quickly capture how you're going to construct your rosters. My starting lineup right now, and I don't care about quarterback. I spent a dollar on each of my quarterbacks. I got Alex Smith, who everybody knows I like. I got Patrick Mahomes. One safe guy and one guy that... There you go. That's what you say. The Frank strategy. I like it. There's nothing wrong... I love it. Nothing wrong with those two guys. Uh, the successor, too. Exactly. Patrick, Mah- both Patrick Mahomes guys. to Alex Smith. So I got both of those guys in my lineup. Um, one of the quarterbacks in my lineup. Speaking of which, yeah. did you see the Patrick Mahomes bomb over the weekend? Awesome. <laughs> Dude, it was in the air for 70 yards. Amazing. That's insane. So I got Patty Mahomes, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Jordan Howard, Jamal Williams, Kyle Rudolph. Like those starters, no problem. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm very happy with that. Depth is probably scary. It's very scary. Yeah. Very, very scary. Tuesday. Yeah. Did you enjoy the Colts and the Ravens last night? I didn't watch any of it. Did you enjoy Monday Night Raw? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> um, Are you at that point in your life where you enjoy anything? To be honest with you, I watched a lot of programming last night, none of which I liked. Like, I watched, like, Judy had on Bachelor in Paradise. That wasn't very enjoyable. Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty terrible. Do you do the whole fantasy Bachelor thing or no? Have you ever done it? I haven't. I should. I think maybe next it's season. It's very I'll surprising watch. you don't. Agree. Yeah. Agree. For sure. Now, especially now that I live with Judy, I, you'd think I would do it. <laughs> um, so, no, didn't do that. So, then I started, I watched uh, last week's Better Call Saul because I was not up to date. So I watched last week's Disagree, Bavona. Not excellent. Fell asleep. No, no, no. It's excellent that you got caught up. Oh, I didn't get caught up. I didn't watch last night's. I watched last week. Neither did I. Don't worry. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Thank you. Kind of boring. I need to figure out where I am in that show right now. Because honestly, I don't remember. I feel like, I think I watched the first two seasons. What are we up to now? Like, I think it's good. This is season four, I think. Live on TV right now? Yes, right now. So did they put... Season three on Netflix yet? I I don't know. Good question. I feel like that's what I haven't watched yet. Makes sense. I just watch it when it goes on Netflix. So. But I think, Bovona, what did you think of last week's episode? Did you find it boring as well? Um, bits and pieces of it are boring, but really, Better Call Saul is just a more boring kind of duller right. show than Breaking Bad. That's probably the issue I think you have is that if you're like me, I absolutely adore Breaking Bad because Same. it was always just we're, action packed. We're, we're ordering Los Pollos Hermanos for lunch. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, though, we are. Do you want in? LPH. Oh, yes, please. Uh, all right, so we'll have two people. All right, we'll talk about that off the air. Um, <laughs> if, if, if it's open now, I don't know. Um, but so that's one thing, right? So then I, f- I fell asleep through bits and pieces. And again, it was, it was a long day. We worked very hard yesterday, Frank, you and I. Um, and, you know, I, I was in and out. And then I was like, all right, perfect. Done with that, and now I'll start raw. And fast forwarded through a lot because like, this is boring, 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 boring. Uh, and then Judy's done with Bachelor in Paradise. It's like 10 o'clock. I was like, hey, we got to watch last week's Sharp, or last night, Sunday night's Sharp Objects, because we're watching that. You know what? Boring. 
Boring. One more episode left of that. So we finished that. It's now 11.17. I have like the last 40 minutes of Raw, which takes me about five minutes to watch. Um, so I did that. I hated it. It's now 11.25. I'm like, all right, time to go to bed. And that was my night. Grouchy Greg, man. Dude. There's no pleasing this guy. Did you watch, did you watch the end of Raw? No. Okay. I mean, I saw like, That's, There's no, there's no pleasing. Me. You would, if you watched it, you wouldn't be pleased either. I was actually watching the Ravens and Colts. Yeah, I forgot that existed. Which it was. Boring. How is Jason? Was, how is Jason Witten? He. It's going to be a learning process. Not. He's not he's terrible. No, he's no Tony Romo. He's not terrible. He's not Tony Romo yet. He can probably get there, uh, but he hasn't been terrible to start. I think he's had a good start. I think he's going to continue to get better as the season goes on. Booger McFarlane is killing it. He's been great. Really on the sidelines, and the thing that's really like better than Tony Saragusa because Goose was terrible. No, oh yeah, then he's definitely. I don't. I don't really remember. You're not an announcer how, guy. Yeah, yeah, Tony Saragusa, but. Uh, now, nah, Booger's killing it. What's unique about it is that he can really chime in to the booth whenever he wants from the sideline. Right, of course. Was which a, is awesome. Well, that was a Siragusa thing. He started it. Just, like, that's, like, unique to me. They didn't do that before on Monday Night Football. Though. Not on Monday Night Football. Yeah, it would always just be Gruden it, and... It, and, and Tariko and then Tariko, Sean McDonough. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Now, this, like, this is newer to me. Well, right. I enjoy it. So they had Siragusa doing it, but Siragusa was, like, terrible and, like, didn't provide any interesting analysis of any sort. No, nah, Booger's, Booger's doing well. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I buy it. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm more. That's what I was most excited about. I wish I remember it was on. I would. I would have checked it out. Everyone's talking up Kenneth Dixon because he ran well last night, six for thirty-two yards. He also had uh, three receptions for twenty-four yards. But before, to be fair, Buck Allen looked okay in his limited action too. Could just be the Colts' defense is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see uh, Kenneth Dixon do his thing after all the the injuries that he's battled. Um, assuming that this isn't disciplinary or injury related. I think Alex Collins is firmly entrenched as their starter. If you want to handcuff one guy, if anything were to happen to Alex Collins, I think it would just be Kenneth Dixon on early downs. Right. And I've said this, uh, and I think it would be Buck Allen in the passing game. How many times have you gone to Twitter today and wrote in Alex Collins? I did it at least three times on the bus today. <laughs> and maybe once on the train. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this. But I haven't been able to find anything. So I, I, guess, I think that's a good thing. I think, I think that's a good sign. I think that's a good uh, thing. On the other side... Andrew Luck did not look good, Greggy. Yeah, that's what I was reading about. He, he, he wouldn't like a, a. He looks yeah. very rusty, and I look. I think we should expect that him, you know, not playing at all last season. hasn't played a game since um, what was it, January first, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty certainly, I guess twenty seventeen. But yeah, January first. That was the last game he played. January first, uh, right. twenty sixteen. Whatever. No. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Uh, but he looks very rusty. Uh, had a really, really bad interception in the red zone yesterday. So I think I'm going to lower him in my rankings. I just don't know how far to lower him. What? I, he could get off to a slow start. Well, he's rusty. Of course he's going yeah, to get off to a slow start. He could get off to a slow start into the regular season, yeah, too. Yeah, no, I agree. And then that's going to affect your fantasy team. So well, with that being said, you gotta you got to rank him accordingly. But I don't think, like... this isn't. A, uh, did anyone really think Andrew Luck was just going to walk back out of the field and be, like, the Andrew Luck no, but you want to start to see encouraging signs. I feel like we haven't seen anything in the preseason yet that looks really great out of him. He hasn't attempted a pass of 20-plus yards on the field yet, Greg. So that's very interesting to me. Like, the fact that he played one series last week, okay, cool, I don't care. He played, he played a half last night. the second quarter yesterday. So he played into the second quarter yesterday. Fine, he's getting his bearings, he took a sack. Like, that was good to me. Yeah, he took two sacks yesterday. Great. They're not attempting a pass over 20 yards, which scares me that he's afraid to unleash the ball. Like, in a, in a controlled setting in practice... Fine. He knows he's not going to get hit. He can launch it. 
Here it's a little bit different, and, and that's kind of scary. Yeah, which is why I'm thinking I, I've moved him behind Deshaun Watson now, and you know I'm not really a Watson guy, but by all accounts, he looks healthy. He had a fine second preseason game. He threw a touchdown to Bruce Ellington. Uh, so I've moved uh, Andrew Luck behind him, and I'm kind of wrestling with the thought of whether I should move him behind Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees. Uh, I'm going to let this play out again this week, see what happens in the third preseason game. Uh, as far as the Colts rushing attack, Nobody really looked great here. Yeah, and Naheem um, Hines fumbled the opening kickoff. He has four Wilkins. fumbles through two games. Jordan Wilkins fumbled on the goal line. That was terrible. And Kristen Michael started, so life is good. There you go. And we still don't know what the deal is with Marlon Mack as he's battling injury. The one good thing about Jordan Wilkins is that they trusted him enough to give him a, uh, a goal line carry, but it just sucks that he fumbled it, which they did recover for a touchdown, but uh, that's not what you want to see. Was it a of- soft fumble? What? Was it a soft fumble? What does that mean? Like, what is a soft fumble? Mean? Well, soft fumble is like a guy just wouldn't like takes his hand and just like pats the ball. No, so he was being like gang tackled by okay. like three dudes and he and was trying to rip- fight through contact. Okay, and someone just ripped it out. That's okay. It doesn't bother me. He was like he was just fighting for extra yards. Yeah, he was. And they just they were just three guys ripping at him. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Adrian Peterson sides with the Redskins yesterday. Jamal Charles was in for a tryout. Uh, Orleans Darkwa was in for a tryout. Surprised Darkwa uh, didn't get an opportunity. Instead, it goes to AP. AP, quite obviously, a bigger name at this point than game. Played well in limited action for the Cardinals until he wore down. Obviously, it was nothing with the Saints. I have to imagine they're signing AP. They're going to give him the opportunity to succeed here, Frank. Yeah, that's what you would imagine, right? Like, why would they sign Adrian Peterson you know, if they really liked Rob Kelly and they liked their early down running back situation, they wouldn't have went out and signed Adrian Peterson. In my opinion, Rob Kelly didn't look terrible in his game against the Jets in the second preseason game. I think he's looking more like a fit Rob Kelly rather than a fat Rob Kelly. Uh, but I guess the Washington football team did not feel the same, so they went out and signed Adrian Peterson. And I mentioned this to you downstairs, Greg, is I don't think you go out and sign this guy unless you're going to play him. At his age... There's no reason to just bring him in to, what, be a goal line back? And I think he has enough money that he doesn't sign if he's not getting the workload, I would think. So I moved him up to running back 45 in my standard rankings. That's uh, a whole it's a whole slew of, like, that tier's, like, handcuff running backs, like Latavius Murray, pass-catching running backs in the standard, which is, like, you don't really love pass-catching running backs in standard. So I moved him up there just because I think he'll be, like, a running back four, running back five that is going to be touchdown-dependent. Maybe he gets like 10 to 12 touches a week. I don't feel great about him by any means, but I just feel like we should have mentioned him because he signed, and he probably will have some value, albeit not that much. Yeah, I think Adrian Peterson. Would you rather have Adrian Peterson than any other running back in Washington outside Chris Thompson? I'd rather own him than Rob Kelly. Would you drop Rob Kelly for AP? I guess the answer is yes. He just said that. Yeah. Okay. And in leagues where I've already drafted uh, the Scott Fishball, I have Darius Geis. I've already put in a claim to pick up Adrian Peterson. Okay. I uh, we had our first waiver run in my auction yesterday. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, we don't wait around. I mean, normally I the draft happens. You wait until like maybe no. the preseason ends, and then you start waivers. Greg, now waivers ran. Now it's first come first serve. We're all live. How many people are gonna blow their fab before the season even starts? So far, so far, your buddy Max, who doesn't believe in fab, he just like whatever. It's stupid. Uh, he has spent I think fourteen dollars. He spent thirteen. Uh, no, he spent seven on Taiwan Teller. Not bad buy. And I guess he, he also picked up something else, I thought. Max, hold on. What does it mean to not believe in fab or not care about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spent $13. He spent 7 on Taylor and $6 on Cortland Sutton. What does that mean, though? What does that mean to not care about fab? Like, he doesn't care if he doesn't have any fab by, like, week four? Yeah. 
Hey, how's it going? Um, so I had, a qu- I had two questions, but if we can get to the second one, if we have time. Um, the Minnesota offensive line and Dallas offensive line, I know they're um, going through some injuries. I was wondering if you guys had any uh, information about that. Yeah, I mean, as far as the running back. Yeah, Minnesota's been decimated. Dallas has been decimated um, as well. And their, their first-round center has looked terrible. It looks like Zach Martin's going to be back. Oh, Carolina, also decimated. Are you, and Matt it, Khalil now getting checked out for the Panthers. While McCaffrey has killed it in the preseason, yeah. you have to imagine you know, him with his slider frame running behind that offensive line. It might actually affect him. So the obvious question is, how does this affect Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, and their draft stock if it— those at all. I haven't changed anything accordingly. Okay. I mean, I think it is something worth monitoring, and we appreciate the call. I think it's something that we, you know, we should bring up, absolutely. But, again, I'll always go back to the stat that I mentioned when we started talking about running backs. Last year, six of the 12 um, RB1s averaged 4.0 yards per carry or less. The reason why they were RB1s is because of volume. So, uh, again, you know, volume trumps efficiency when it comes to workhorse running backs, and that's what I do believe Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook to be. Uh, much more faith in Ezekiel Elliott, obviously. You know, he could touch the ball 400 times this year, even if he averages in the low four yards per carry. Um, just based on how many times he's going to touch the ball, I think he's easily a top five running back this year. And then Dalvin Cook, you know, we mentioned the offensive line last week, even, you know, before these injuries, is that it really doesn't look like a great offensive line coming into no. the year, but... I do think, uh, just based on the volume I mentioned last year that they had, even after the Dalvin Cook injury, I believe it was, what, like, it was over 30 touches per game for both Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. So I still think Dalvin Cook's going to be in that, you know, 16 to 18, maybe close to 20 touches per game range while Latavius Murray gets his 8 to 10. And I think that's perfectly fine for Dalvin Cook where he's being drafted at the, you know, the one-two turn at the end of the first round. Eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. Let's hit up Dylan in North Carolina. What's going on, Dylan? Hey guys, uh, just have a quick question for you guys. Well, I don't know if it's going to be quick, but if I can go over my roster right quick. Um, I just had a draft this past weekend. I have Stafford, Lee, uh, CMC, Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, Jared Cook, Alex Collins. Um, in my bench, I have Ingram, Rashad Penny, Kelvin Benjamin, Robbie Anderson, Cameron Mer- Meredith and Marcus Mariota. Um, this is a 12-team half-point PPR. Um, I had a trade offer. Um, I was the last person to pick a tight end with Jared Cook. I'm not too happy with that. Um, so I would be sending away Christian McCaffrey, Meredith, and Jared Cook, or Royce Freeman, Kyle Rudolph, and Josh Gordon. Just wanted y'all's opinion on that. Frankie, what do you think? It was it was CMC, Jared Cook, and who was the other player you were giving up? Cam Meredith. Meredith. And who do you get in return? Royce Freeman. Kyle Rudolph, and Josh Gordon. My initial answer was to take this deal. Uh, It's tough to give up CMC based on what he's done in the preseason, especially if you believe he's going to be that workhorse running back that North Turner usually employs in his offenses. But I think to get Kyle Rudolph, who is a bona fide top eight tight end, maybe has upside to be even better. Uh, Josh Gordon, I think he's going to be much better than Cam Meredith this year. It's risky, uh, but you get that solid RB2 in return in Royce Freeman. I'm taking this trade. I'm doing it, Greg. All right, Frankie, before we get to the wide receivers, tell me the stat of the day. has to do with your boy, Devontae Adams, Greg. In the last two seasons that Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson were both healthy together, that's 2016 and 2014, Jordy finished as wide receiver one and wide receiver three overall, respectively. 
is Devontae Adams underrated as wide receiver seven off the board right now? And I think it's a great question. It's just crazy. It's crazy to say because he's going in the second round, but based on where the top target finishes with Aaron Rodgers, there's a chance that Devontae Adams could be a top five wide receiver, maybe even better than that. I, there's definitely a chance. As I look at my 2018 wide receiver rankings, I have him ranked as my seventh ranked wide receiver. That's exactly where he's being drafted off the board, Greg. There you go. My man, Devontae Adams. All right, number one. I don't, there's not, we talked before, and we've broken into like twos or whatnot, um, with the running backs, with Gurley and Bell, and then Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson. I don't think you could necessarily do that uh, with the wide receivers, because Antonio Brown's a one. That's it. He's number one. There's Antonio Brown, there's everybody else. I have, I have like a top four tier, but honestly, if you wanted to make Antonio Brown his own tier, I have no problem with it. Brown he still, I believe, has that injured calf, but I think he's he fine. He returned to practice on Sunday. Fantastic. There you go. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. In terms of points per game, he's finished. These are his past five-year finishes in points per game in half PPR. Wide receiver one, 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 two, seven. That's his last five years. During that span, uh, five straight years of 100-plus receptions each year. His average season, 116 receptions on 171 targets, 1570 yards, 10.4 touchdowns per year over the last five years. That's his average season. He's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So after that, I feel like, and I know where he's going doesn't seem like this, but at least when we have talked, Frank, it seems like people are not forgetting about DeAndre Hopkins, but I think forgetting just how stupidly good he is. We have talked quite a bit. About it's crazy that Antonio Brown's younger than me, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, Craig, you're like 50. All the wide receivers are younger than you, well, even Larry Fitzgerald. It's true, <laughs> but that's not true. Actually, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm buying in at this point. We've talked a lot about Julio Jones, and we mentioned Odell Beckham when it comes to his contract and whatnot. But I feel like people are kind of glossing over DeAndre Hopkins. Like Hopkins is still the number two wide receiver off the board, but it's almost this like assumed thing. And I want to make people realize why. Because DeAndre Hopkins is stupid good, and he's never had a quarterback. And when he did for like that brief moment last year with Deshaun Watson, it was sickly amazing. Deshaun Watson's back healthy. DeAndre Hopkins is back healthy. He is a freak of nature and also younger than me. DeAndre Hopkins, clearly for you, the number two wide receiver off the board? He is clearly. And I know some people are going to lean towards Odell Beckham, but uh, it's obvious that it was just Brock Osweiler that crushed DeAndre Hopkins' value last year. He played... I think it was five, six games with Deshaun Watson. Even in the games without Deshaun Watson, even with Tom Savage, the guy was worlds better than he was two years ago when he finished as the wide receiver 38 in points per game in 2016. The past the two years that he's had at least 174 targets. Again, this guy, he, he's a volume play, but I think he's going to have that volume once again this year, Greg. He's been wide receiver two in points per game last year, wide receiver five in points per game in 2015. His average season... In the two years, over 170 targets, 103 receptions, 1449 yards, 12 touchdowns. So, you know, you might actually say that he is a lock to score more touchdowns than Antonio Brown. The safety, the floor, uh, and the reception and yard pace, I think, favors all Antonio Brown. But I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins once again scores more touchdowns than Antonio Brown. Last year, 24 end zone targets was third among wide receiver. And again, he's incredibly durable. He's only missed one game in his entire career. For all those reasons, I think it makes sense for him to be that wide receiver too, 
given Odell Beckham has kind of not been all that durable. There's a lot of problems with the other guys. Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, typically you're 3-4. Julio Jones struggled in the red zone last year, struggled specifically in the end zone. Odell Beckham coming back from the injuries, 100% healthy now, um, but he had the injury issue. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't struggle in the red zone, doesn't have the injury issue, and again, a freak. And he's still very young, too. I don't know that people realize how young DeAndre Hopkins really is. For you, is DeAndre Hopkins, another one of these Clemson guys, is DeAndre Hopkins closer to Antonio Brown for you or closer to Odell Beckham to you? He is closer to Antonio Brown. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. All right, Franklin. The next tier of wide receivers is where it really gets interesting. How do you break it down? Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Green. For me, there's three guys and then one. And that's because I'm, like, super not high on the Bengals this year. I'll take the L if I'm wrong. But I just, for whatever reason, don't like A.J. Green. I don't like the Bengals. I'd rather invest in the Saints, the Chargers, and the Packers. That's why A.J. Green is last and is my eighth-ranked wide receiver this season. He is also the last of this tier as well. And if you look at his finishes in terms of points per game over the past few seasons, he doesn't have immense upside, but he has a very, very safe floor. So I still understand why he goes in the second round. Here are his finishes in points per game the last five years. Wide receiver 14, wide receiver 6, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 5. While he doesn't have immense upside, maybe he can't be a top three guy, he's never finished below wide receiver 14 over the past five years. Uh, The completion percentage incredibly high for Drew Brees, yet he had just 23 touchdowns. Based on how much he threw the ball and threw the ball inside of the red zone uh, and at the efficiency that he did, you have to imagine Drew Brees gets somewhere between 28 and 30 touchdowns. I have to imagine Michael Thomas is going to get at least two or three of those. So uh, two years ago, he had nine touchdowns on only 121 targets. Last year, he came back. He only had five touchdowns on 149 targets. So if you look at that touchdown pace that he had with the targets two years ago, if he just comes close to that, we're looking at eight to 10 touchdowns this year out of Michael Thomas. And I think unquestionably another 100 catches uh, over 1,200 yards. I said it last year, and I'll say it again. I think Michael Thomas is the most talented wide receiver that Drew Brees has ever played with, and we're seeing that now. Yeah, I, I think so, too. As good as Marcus Colston, Marquise Colston was, I think Michael Thomas is better. And you're seeing Michael Thomas, who is still extremely young. He's 25 years old, um, and everything's going to get better. I, I think like him as a player, um, I, I think that you know receptions-wise, he— He'll be at 100. I think yards-wise, he'll be uh, certainly over 1,000. The touchdowns, uh, they're only going up. He only had five last year. He can. Do- I think it's realistic that he doubles that. Um, he's consistent, and people love Cam Meredith, and they like Ted Ginn, but there's no Jimmy Graham anymore. There's no Brandon Cooks anymore. But Ben Watson, Greggy? It's Michael Thomas, and that is what makes him, by far, in my opinion, the number five. So Frank and I, in order, have the same top five. We have the same eight, nine. Do we have the same six, seven? That's interesting. And I've gone back and forth, and I don't know the answer to this when it comes to Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams. In our non-PBR, I took Devontae Adams over Keenan Allen. In a PPR, I think I would take Keenan Allen over Devontae Adams. In the half point, I, I have no idea. I'd, I'd want the pick right after one of them go so I could take the other one. That's how close they are for me. Frank, how do you bring it down, Keenan Allen versus Devontae Adams? Yeah, I think what you said in terms of scoring format makes the most sense. In non-PPR, uh, Devontae Adams unquestionably going to score more touchdowns than Keenan Allen. Oh, what's going on? This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. I am Frank Stanfield, while Greg Sussman is off doing executive things. I feel like he's running back into the building right now. Yesterday, we spoke about the early round wide receivers. Today, we're going to get into 
the middle round wide receivers. That's you know, rounds three through five. Maybe we'll get a little bit deeper than that. But we really spoke about the top 10 guys to cut off there with Mike Evans. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about T.Y. Hilton today. Um, the fact that Andrew Luck has not thrown the ball 20-plus yards down the field in either one of the first preseason games. Uh, he has been doing it in practice, but we haven't seen it in game action yet. So is that worrisome? We'll get into that as well. Um, we're going to start off with the stat of the day while I'm here waiting patiently for my guy, Greg Sussman. Uh, it's really stats of the day, and it has to do with Chris Hogan. From weeks one through eight last season, Chris Hogan, wide receiver eight overall in half PPR. He had 60 yards or a touchdown in six of those eight games, Greg Sussman. So he Yo! was consistent. Yo! What's up, man? What's going on? How you I'm doing, dude? The stat of the You're in the stat of the day. Yeah. Just have to bring the show in without me. Jumping, jumping right in. It's fine. Jumping right in. What's up, man? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, taking care of business. Taking care of business. On the program today, Frankie mentioned, stat of the day, wide receivers. And Chris Hogan. Sorry? Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Stat of the day. We'll get back to it. We'll definitely get back to Chris Hogan. <laughs> but yesterday, we did the first and second wide, first and second round wide receivers. Today, we get in the middle. We go the middle rounds. The next guys. We figured we did the top 10. We wanted to go from like 11 to 24-ish and that's the plan, and we're going to kind of see how it goes from there. Yeah, and I mentioned maybe we talk a little bit about more, uh, more about T.Y. Hilton, whether we should be worried, should we move him down a little bit? It's a great question, man. Yeah, got the, I got the poll up on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever talking about Doug Baldwin. Now that it really does seem like he's going to be ready for week one by all indications he's running. Um, they seem much more optimistic about this now. To me, I was very excited about Doug Baldwin. I had him right in that range with Mike Evans, with T.Y. Hilton. And I bumped him right all the way back up there. So are you comfortable drafting him on that 2-3 turn? More comfortable in the later third round? Or, or maybe you're just avoiding uh, Doug Baldwin so we could check back in on that poll later on, Greggy. Um, but I'm just going to continue with the, the stat of the day on Chris Hogan, our guy who looked very good in the second preseason game. And I've seen him go as high as the fourth round already in some best ball leagues. Weeks one through eight last season, Chris Hogan was wide receiver eight overall in half PPR. He had 60 yards or a touchdown in six of those eight games. It was incredibly consistent. His first half numbers prorated over 16 games. 66 receptions, 876 uh, yards, 10 touchdowns. That's 180.6 half PPR points would have made him the wide receiver 15 overall last season if he played 16 games. There's a lot to like about Chris Hogan. There's a lot to love about Chris Hogan. Now, number one, can he play all 16 games? I, I think there's a strong possibility he can. Now, people have said in regards to Hogan that the touchdowns aren't necessarily sustainable, that the Patriots change their offense per game, but I just felt like, and this is just a total eye test, Frankie, that every time he was out there, he was a monstrous focal point inside the red zone, and he was everything fantasy owners wanted to beat him to be when Julian Edelman went down last year. He's not just a PPR guy, he's an everything guy. And whether Gronk's out there or he's not, I think Chris Hogan's awesome, and I have him ranked currently as my 23rd ranked receiver, and I feel like he probably should be higher. I just don't know how much higher. Did you take my rankings no. and just kind of like move them around and make your own rankings? I did not. I have him exactly wide receiver 23 as yeah. well. Yeah. I feel like we do this every day, too. We gotta, we gotta disagree on somebody eventually. I'm sure we will. It is now time to welcome in our good friend from Inside Injuries. It is Virginia Zakis. What's going on, Virginia? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing well, staying very busy with all of these injuries. Yeah, a lot of injuries as training camp tends to uh, wrap up. I know just a day or two left for teams as they get into their third preseason game. Now, the biggest injury or the, the strangest injury or the one we know the least about is what I asked you this morning, and I, I sent Virginia an email this morning, in regards to Travis Frederick, the center for Dallas that has a, a major autoimmune 
um, disorder uh, of some sort. And the report from last night was that he could miss multiple weeks. I read something that he could miss the season. I don't know much about this uh, at, at all. And But certainly with Zach Martin banged up along the offensive line, Tyron Smith having back issues permanently, this offensive line for Dallas is decimated right now. How serious is this disease or disorder for Travis Frederick? Yeah, this is potentially pretty serious. Um, So he has Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a rare neurological nerve disorder. So it attacks the peripheral nervous system. Um, It's going to affect his, you know, arms, legs, um, really any muscles and joints. So it it typically starts by you feel some tingling in your feet, your hands. Um, It leads to weakness and fatigue, which, you know, obviously all of that would affect him on the football field. Um, the earlier you catch it, the better. And it sounds like he caught it pretty early. And there are some medications you can take, um, that help with the symptoms. Unfortunately, it's not something that's going to be totally cured. Um, and there's really no way at this point to say if he can be back, um, anytime this season, I won't say it's impossible. Um, but I don't think we can necessarily expect it. Virginia. Should that mean that we should be dropping Ezekiel Elliott? Which is, it just sounds crazy because as often he's going to touch the ball, he's still extremely young too. But given all the injuries and, and these guys banged up on the offensive line for the Cowboys, should we be lowering the status of Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, yeah, at this point, I definitely would. Like I said, I really don't think you can expect Frederick to come back this year. If he does, you know, great. Um, but again, you don't know if the symptoms are going to come back. You don't know how playing football is going to affect him. Um, Mark Schlereth actually had this back in the nineties. He missed the second half of the season. I think it was the 93 season when he was diagnosed and he admitted that it took at least halfway through the following season before he felt like he really got his strength back. So, you know, that's over a year. Um, again, every case is different. Some people, their symptoms might calm down within a few weeks or a month. Some people could take years for the symptoms to, uh, really subside. So we just don't know how this is going to play out. And as I was reading about this morning, or, or Chrissy Bones was telling me, like he thought he had a stinger. And that's what you were just talking about with like your, your hands or your feet or your neck aching and, mm-hmm. and, and not being able to get over it. And that's what Travis Frederick has. Um, and he's going to have to figure out how to, I guess, manage this and, and what medication and, and stuff like that. I think I agree with Virginia. And I mean, you know, she does a lot more than I do. But this isn't something where, hey, it's a sprained ankle. It's going to heal and you'll, you'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're, we're or hamstring like Saquon Barkley, it's serious. So I don't expect him coming back anytime soon either. Yeah, especially given the uncertainty, I would go on record to say I wouldn't expect him to be back this year. And I know, honestly, given the uh, the medical advances that we have now, anything is possible. We know that. But I would, if, if I'm erring on the side of caution, I don't think that he is back this year because obviously his overall health comes before you know seeing him back on the football field. But everything I've read about this, like it can eventually make its way to your lungs, and then you need a respirator too. So, uh, with that being said, I wouldn't expect to see him this year, Greg. Yeah, I, and, and I think because of that, Ezekiel Elliott, unfortunately, you have to have that in the back of your mind. You have to. Do you 100% drop him behind David Johnson in all formats now? No, because I think David Johnson still has his, you know, the, the same issues. So, um, I probably don't change anything. But I think you have to consider, just keep that it's in the, in the back, back of your mind. Of your mind. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Exactly. All right, Virginia, let me get to some of these other uh, injured players. And in particular, um, I, I want to start with Rex Burkhead because it, the news came out over the weekend last week. There's a tear in his knee. And we all heard that. We're like, oh, my God. And then it comes out, no big deal. He had it last year. He's, pra- he's back at practice with it. 
What kind of tear in your knee are you able to play with? I know torn meniscus is, uh, they wind up coming back a week or two later, but what kind of tear in your knee can Rex Burkhead have that he's practicing and, and seems likely to play? So it's more than likely either a meniscus tear, like you said, or an MCL tear. Um, MCLs, MCL injuries typically don't require surgery unless it's a full tear, which is pretty rare. Um, so it's possible that's what he's dealing with. Um, meniscus tears typically do require surgery. Um, not always, though, or he could, you know, try to play through it. And then if it, you know, continues to bother him, he could eventually undergo surgery. Um, we're giving him a six-week optimal recovery time for this, even though we, even though we don't know exactly what's going on. Um, that means he really shouldn't play until mid to late September. So it sounds like now that he's returned to practice, there's a good chance he'll play week one. We're showing that he shouldn't. He's a very high injury risk. Um, you might also remember he injured his other knee last year and missed around a month towards the end of the season and into the playoffs with a sprained knee. So the injuries are really becoming a concern for him. Greg, to me, Rex Burkhead right now is one of the hardest players to figure out where to draft because last weekend or two weekends ago now when we were drafting, he was going in the fifth round. He was really shooting up draft boards because of the Shoney Michelle injury. But I'm worried about this because he, he can easily re-injure this or aggravate it or make it worse, and then he's out for multiple weeks. If you ask me, the winner here is James White, who I just drafted in the 10th round of a best ball league. Um, but to me, figuring out where Rex Burkhead should go in drafts is one of the hardest things to figure out. Yeah, it's really, really hard. And, and even if the sixth week is the optimal recovery time, like we don't, we don't know when it started, right? Like We don't know what the tear is. We don't know when he tore it. Like We don't know anything about Rex Burkhead. That kind of comes with the territory with the Patriots. Like, I know you wanna li- we want to like him because they use yeah. him in every scenario, but it's scary. There is no definite injury. There is no definite timetable. We don't know what we're working with. And while injuries and drafting injuries and injured players are always scary, it's even more so with the Patriots because we just don't know anything. And you want exposure to the Patriots offense because they're one of the most potent in the league. Uh, but for me right now, if he's still going in that fifth, sixth round range, I think I'm just looking in another direction. Maybe so a Jamal Williams, a Carlos Hyde, uh, somebody like that. I, I just don't know how to feel about Rex Burkhead right now, given this injury. Uh, Virginia, I wanted to ask you about the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver position. Just kind of get some updates here because we got the report that Alshon Jeffrey could start the year on the pup list due to this shoulder injury. I think we had Dr. A on about a month ago, and he was telling us that that was a very distinct possibility. And that's why I've been avoiding Jeffrey in all of my drafts. With that being said, we wanted to move Nelson Aguilar up the board because we figured he could be the wide receiver one. Now, he's dealing with an undisclosed lower leg injury, which we don't really know much about. So what's going on with the Eagles wide receiver situation and who will be there in week one? Um, So I'll start with Alshon Jeffrey. Um, He had surgery back in February to repair the torn rotator cuff. Um, We showed all along a 30-week optimal recovery time which puts his, um, you know, means his shoulder should be close to 100% in early September. But that doesn't mean that he's ready to play football. Just because his shoulder is fully healed doesn't mean he's, he's ready. He's still going to need a few weeks to get back into contact drills, um, really get his conditioning up to speed, that kind of thing. So starting the season on the PUP list is a definite possibility. Um, you know, just don't know what's going to happen there. But I think if you're one of his fantasy owners, you can't expect him to be anywhere near 100% until probably early October. Um, Nelson Aguilar, unfortunately, we don't really know what's going on with him. Um, his injury risk has improved to elevated, though. It was high when we originally learned about his injury. Um, it, it's looking like he's going to be ready week one. He's been doing some work on the side field, which is, you know, a little bit of an improvement. Um 
So I think I think more than likely he'll be out there, but it's definitely something to keep watching over the next few weeks. We're chatting with Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries, giving us the lowdown on the Philadelphia Eagle wide receivers. We were mentioning running backs and who to take instead of Rex Burkhead. And a little bit later on, I've been kind of all over the Colts, and in particular Jordan Wilkins, as Naheem Hines has struggled with fumbling, and Marlon Mack has struggled getting healthy and being on the field. Mack hurt himself a few weeks back in the first preseason game, and I haven't read much about him since. What is the latest on Marlon Mack? So it doesn't sound like he's practiced at all since injuring his hamstring. Um, we're showing a moderate strain, which comes with a uh, four-week optimal recovery time. So he's really going to be pushing it to be ready week one. Um, unfortunately, this is also one of those situations. He spent most of the offseason recovering from surgery to repair a torn labrum. So, you know, we're just talking about Alshon Jeffrey getting the rest of his body in shape, even if his shoulders healed. This is a prime example of that. Um, first game injures his hamstring. So um, un- unclear if he's going to be ready to go week one. And Max injury risk does remain um, elevated right now. So it's still there's still a lot of concern with him. Virginia T.Y. Hilton didn't appear in Monday night's preseason game. He is uh, suffering from a shoulder sprain right now. We already have all of the concerns regarding Andrew Luck. We know that T.Y. Hilton's fantasy value is tied into Andrew Luck and the health of Andrew Luck. We also need T.Y. Hilton to be healthy as well. So dealing with a shoulder sprain, um, what's his optimal recovery time and will he be 100% come week one? So things actually look pretty good for T.Y. Hilton. Um, one week optimal recovery time. So he should, he should be really close. Um, he even returned to practice yesterday, unclear how much he participated, but he was out there. Um, and his health performance factor is already back up at peak. So we expect him to perform well, uh, be ready to go by week one. He might not play in their next preseason game, um, just to be safe, but, but he should be good to go week one. No concerns here. All right. There you go. That's pretty good news on Hilton. It's obviously very positive with T.Y. Hilton. We talked about him yesterday in relation to Doug Baldwin, and which one we would rather have. The fact that T.Y. Hilton should be good to go for week one should kind of ease some of those fears that we mentioned on yesterday's show. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? T.Y. Hilton versus Doug Baldwin right now. Both guys yeah. dealing with their own injuries, but I think the thing that separates Baldwin from Hilton is the fact that he has a 100% healthy Russell Wilson. And the target share we know is going to be there, like I said. So I'm still I'm still ranking Doug Baldwin over T.Y. Hilton. I think it's very close, but both should be in that 2-3 swing range, in my opinion. Over to the Buffalo Bills, A.J. McCarron went down, and immediately the thought was a broken collarbone, which kept Aaron Rodgers out for, for like eight weeks last year, and he's done it a couple of times. And then we hear that, oh, maybe it's not a broken collarbone. And he was back at practice in a limited fashion yesterday. All kind of strange. LaShawn McCoy, it's been weird with him, too, in Buffalo, given the circumstances surrounding his legal situation and an injury that has knocked him out of practice for a bit. What are you hearing and seeing and reading when it comes to A.J. McCarron and LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, so with A.J. McCarron, we're, we're showing a mild shoulder sprain. Um, needs around two weeks for it to fully heal. Um, but he could be ready to go week one. Um, he's still dealing with some soreness, which is pretty common. Um his health performance factor is also below average for right now. It is slowly improving, um, but right now there's a little bit of concern, but again, not not too much concern there. Um, LaShawn McCoy was actually one of the few running backs who started the season at a high injury risk who wasn't currently recovering from any off-season surgeries or anything. So we've been very concerned about him all along. Now he's dealing with this minor groin strain. Um, He also dealt with um, a mild groin injury last year, some general soreness early in the season, um, along with quite a few other injuries that included his ankle, knee, and wrist. 
Um, so LaShawn McCoy is someone we're telling everyone to stay away from in drafts. Um, he's still a high injury risk. His health performance factor is poor, and he's not going to be fully recovered from this until early September. Greg, is there any one singular player that has more so been crossed off like your draft list than LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller. Really? Yeah. Even at his, even where he's going, you're just not going to do it. Mm-mm. Even though he's 100 percent healthy. All right. Well, that tells you how uh, Greg Sussman feels about <laughs> Lamar Miller. Virginia, I wanted to ask you about Delaney Walker because he's dealing with this toe injury, which I don't know how great that is, given the fact that he's 34 years old now. And you know, I like Delaney Walker coming into the draft season because he's been incredibly consistent, and I thought he would be so once again. But he's now missed a couple of weeks dealing with this toe injury. Given his age as well, I mean, are we starting to see like the breakdown of Delaney Walker, or do you have something that says that he's actually going to be better than this? Yeah, before the season, he's also one of these players that we kind of warned about. Lots of injuries, hasn't really missed that many games in his past, but he's always dealing with something. Um, We said this could be the year that it all catches up to him. Of course, now he's already dealing with this toe injury. It sounds like he either, you know, got it stepped on or got kicked during a play. Um, If that's the case, it's probably just a, you know, a bruise that's pretty painful, but not too much of a long-term concern. But his lengthy injury history is a serious concern, um, and that includes multiple concussions as well. So he's an elevated injury risk right now. Um, I I don't really see him being close to 100% at any point this season, even if he does try to play through whatever injury he happens to be dealing with that week. Yeah, Delaney Walker, one of the reasons I was not down on him, but not as high as some people were, is exactly what Virginia was saying, right? There's just a lot of wear and tear in the body. Yeah, he's played almost every game, but the wear and tear is going to catch up at some point. He's a big man that gets beaten down a lot. And right now he's banged up. He should be fine. You heard it. But long term, I just don't know if it's all sustainable. Well, you can't say all that and then still like Greg Olson, Greg. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg Olson was awesome until last year. It was the first time he got injured ever. Maybe that's all, all everything catching up to Greg Olson. Maybe. Maybe it, maybe it is. Speaking of players that are always injured, Devontae Parker hurt his hand now. And it's the latest of the long line of injuries for Devontae Parker. Is he going to be good to go week one? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we're showing a seven-week optimal recovery time oh for God. his Um, you know, originally they said, yeah, he'll be fine week one. It's four weeks away, whatever. Now they're saying his week one status is up in the air. Um, don't think he's going to play. If he does drops will become a serious concern. He's probably not going to be as aggressive in his route running. Um, and as you mentioned, he's had all of these, you know, this long list of injuries in the last few years that includes ankle sprains, hamstring strain, foot fracture, um, (laughs) some pretty serious stuff, especially for a wide receiver. So, I don't think he'll play week one. If he does, he won't be anywhere near 100%. He's a very high injury risk right now. Poor health performance factor. Um, things are obviously just not looking good all around for him. Greg, how are you treating Kenny Stills with this news, right? Because he's just firing up. Yeah. He is moving up the draft. Lots like Kenny Seeing Stills. him going in the ninth, 10th round, he could easily be the top target getter on this team. I'm telling you, the top target getter is going to be Danny Amendola. I've been saying that all I've been saying that on a per game basis summer. because yeah. he's going to play about six games. Right. Perfect. Virginia, we started with an offensive lineman. I want to end with an offensive lineman. Matt Khalil, it looks like, is now week-to-week with an injury. I know he had surgery. Now, Christian McCaffrey has been shooting up draft boards because he's looked amazing in the summer. 
But this is a team that lost Andrew Norwell to, to free agency, lost an offensive lineman uh, due to injury. I believe he's torn his ACL. Now Matt Khalil is hurt as well. The Panthers' offensive line is really beat up. Yeah, so he had his knee scoped. It's the second time he's had this happen. Actually, back in 2015, he had both knees scoped. Um, more than likely, either like trimming the meniscus, cleaning up some scar tissue, um, dealing with a bone spur. It could be anything like that. We're showing a seven-week optimal recovery time, so he shouldn't return until early October. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to miss that much time, but his injury risk is high right now, and it's going to be that way probably up uh, through the end of September. Um, there's definitely a good bit of concern here again because he's had uh, multiple problems with the same knee. So, um, 